Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 4, Episode 6, for Saturday the 2nd of October 2021. And coming up in this unscheduled edition, I'll tell you what I've been up to in Quarter 3 and I'll let you know what's coming up in Quarter 4. I've got news of a mega promo which has been running throughout the past week and I'm back to writing fiction again and I've more than made up for lost time. So the last episode I recorded was Saturday the 3rd of July 2021. So that's pretty well three months ago, a quarter of the year. So I've got a good old update to give you. Just to emphasize though, right from the get-go, the podcast is not coming back, but I got ahead of my writing deadline this week. I finished writing my last book yesterday. I'm going to see my mum tomorrow at the time I'm recording this. So I ended up with a day and I just thought, right, it's the end of one quarter, the beginning of a new quarter. I've got loads to tell you. So let's record an unscheduled episode and just update the feed for anybody who's still connected to it on their mobile phone or however you choose to listen. So the mo- the podcast isn't coming back. I need to emphasize that. It was just a good opportunity for me, for me to share quite a lot of news that I've got. Now, the episode is going to be split up into four parts, writing news, general news, my quarter three, quarter four review and preview for quarter four, and then I'll wind up with my personal news. And if you have missed the podcast, stand by for a bumper update filled with number stats and lots of marketing strategy. We'll start then with the writing news, and on Wednesday of this week, I completed my second thriller since returning to the UK. Now, it's funny, when I think back to it, it doesn't feel that long ago that I was speaking to you last time, but I actually recorded that last episode in Spain, and we hadn't yet returned. So there's been an awful lot of water under the bridge domestically since we last spoke. But just to let you know that uh, since I last dropped that episode into the feed... I have written 63,658 words of First to Die and 61,284 words of Nothing to Lose. And I will be starting work on the final book in that Walker Bay trilogy next Wednesday. That's after I've completed this quick visit to go and see my mum. Now, when I left you last, I hadn't written for ages. I think I'd done a non-fiction book in Spain, if I remember correctly, but I'd been mulling over what the plot was going to be for this final Walker Bay trilogy. I'd got loads of scenes and loads of ideas, but I hadn't quite got the, the story that was going to bind a new trilogy together. And strangely enough, I, I got home from the UK and it just uh, came to me, not in a dream, not quite in a dream, but it just came to me one day. I just got the concept and it was, I think it was reading an article online that just made me think, that's it, that's what I need to write a trilogy. It's the theme that I need to write a trilogy. And it was based around something I was reading about the uh, Bulger case, which was a huge uh, case in the United Kingdom. If memory serves me correctly, I may be wrong, I I think it was the 80s if memory serves me correctly, about two children who effectively abducted a toddler and then murdered him. And these youngsters were given anonymity because of the type of crime that they'd committed. And that's what my trilogy is about. It's about a group of four children who are, I say they go to prison, they don't go into prison because they're too young, but they they go into sort of custody, into youth custody. Uh, One of them is old enough to be tried as an adult. And the book is based around 
the mystery of these four kids who who you know get locked away and the mystery starts in Morecambe when they are released or when the final one is released the one who was 18 at the time of the crimes is released from prison so um, the, there are you know I always like a big theme to look at and the big theme of course is you know can children genuinely be evil um, you know like the Bulger case you know if you if you send people to youth custody or prison for 10 years at a very young age you know can you really be evil at the age of 10 11 12 or are you an adult do you know what you're doing so that's the very broad theme that I've got for the books but that's given me the uh, you know the momentum the substance I need to write a trilogy and parts one and two have come very easily and then I'm just going to wind it all up in part three so I've roughly been work, writing 10,000 words per week. I think probably I didn't start writing the first week I was back. I've also been to see my mum. So it's pretty well 10,000 words per week. And I have changed the way that I've been writing. You'll know that in the past, I've tended to write in hour-long blocks. And in each hour-long block, I've written 1,700 words. And so I'm writing 5,000 words a day. Now, we've had huge domestic disruption over the summer with sort of, you know, kids being back from university, kids who are just about to move on uh, to get a rented house. So, you know, the domestic setup has been all over the place um, at the moment. So it's forced me right out of my writing routine. And I've been writing in different rooms to free up rooms and you know all that sort of thing so anyhow it's it's been about 10,000 words per week but in, in the last couple of weeks for instance I have been writing I've been getting up at a normal time and then writing a couple of chapters during the day when I started I was getting up at six o'clock and, and writing the chapters so that I was done by midday and the other thing about this book is I'm writing the books the three books have been written shorter so the other books in the Morecambe Bay trilogy were all written to a target of I think it was 75,000 words wasn't it I was going to say 70,000 it's either 70 or 75,000 words but I think it was 75,000 words if memory serves me correctly and you know they fell either short of that or went over it uh, usually went uh, short of 75,000 words because we cut so much back in the edit now one of the lessons that I learned from my 12 pack of books which has been bringing my income in basically for the last couple of years is that as far as I can tell you only get page reads on the first 2,500 pages so effectively everything over 2,500 pages in that 12 pack I don't make money on that's my understanding of it so what I figured was is number one I'd started these books so late that I, you know I was squeezed for time if I was going to get them out by the end of the year and number two bearing in mind that I'm planning to put the three trilogies into a nine pack there's no point that nine pack having more than 2,500 pages because I'm then uh, you know creating content that people aren't going to read so strategically and financially from a, an accounting point of view it also makes sense for me to write the last three books slightly shorter so that I'm not going to exceed that 2,500 word level and not get paid on the page reads when I start to promote it so it really is a it's an accountancy and portioning job now interestingly uh, the first book has come back from the beta readers and the beta readers nobody has said to me that it feels shorter so it's all smoke and mirrors with these books in that they have the same number of chapters 
that I would normally have in a book. So, you know, all the various points in Save the Cat that I use when I plan it are all at the same point in the book. But I'm writing the chapters shorter. Normally, my chapters are 1,700 words. The chapters in, in these books are all 1,250 words. And nobody, uh, and it's gone to about 29 beta readers, nobody in their comments has said to me it feels shorter than the rest, which is interesting. And when I'm reading them, it doesn't feel shorter than the rest either. So it is very much a smoke and mirrors arrangement, but this is all about um, portion control. I've talked to you about portion control before, but it's never been more evident to me than with that 12 pack of books, where effectively I'm looking at it thinking, the last three books might as well not be in there if I'm not going to make any money from them. Now, it's too late for that. That sort of stable door or that horse has bolted. It's too late to close that particular stable door. But going forward, I've learned the lesson. I've learned the trick. And there's no point me overwriting the series if I'm going to make, um, you know, get the most bang for my buck and the most bang for my effort with that. So, yeah, the funny thing is, is that I got back to the UK and it, who, who knows what it was, but the titles came to me. I've been playing around with titles for months. I've been putting titles down thinking, no, that's not quite right. No, no, that's not quite right. And then I came up with three titles just like that for the books. Very happy with them straight away. So the titles are book one in this trilogy, First to Die. Book two, Nothing to Lose. Book three, Last to Tell. And as soon as I got those titles, I knew they were what I needed. They were spot on. They were exactly what I want. I like I like titles that reflect what goes in the book. In fact, I was saying this to my wife the other day, that my titles, if somebody said to me, give me a three-word elevator pitch for that book, that's what those titles would be. It's the most condensed way I can tell you what happens in that book, in those titles. So three titles, very happy with those. I got the plot, you know, the concept. I knew where I was going with it, and um, and, off, and off we went. The, the story has written itself, and that, that's what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting so long for, because I've had so much experience of trilogies now. I know when I've got enough to work at to write three books. You can't, you can't, you know, writing a trilogy is not just having a single idea and spinning it out longer than you should. Each of my books in the trilogy has to have something that is substantially different happening in it. It has to have its own integrity, but the whole arc across the three books also has to have integrity. And I wasn't finding the idea that was going to do that. And as soon as I got back to the UK, whatever it was, it came to me. And so did the titles. So I got straight onto it, didn't mess around. I planned first to die, got writing it as soon as possible. The plan came very easily to me. I just literally sat down and wrote it over a day, I think it was, um, you know, because I, I felt so strongly about the the topic that I was dealing with. There was so much meat to, to work with there. The other thing that I did is I got straight on to the cover designer. I got all three covers produced straight away. And also I have got the box set images produced on Fiverr as well. So I've got the box set of Morecambe Bay 3, plus I've also got the 9-pack, which is going to be my lead product for 2022. So I got everything that I could get done, done. And just set off writing, and that's been at 10,000 words per week. And then I'm, I'm in this kind of brain frazzle zone at the moment in that I've just finishing, finished editing First to Die. It's literally going to get my last read, probably while I'm at my mum's and just after that. Nothing to lose 
uh, I finished yesterday. That's just about to go for editing, and then I've uh, all I've virtually planned last to tell. I'll probably just it'll just take me another hour probably just to finish. I've got about five chapters that I need to plan on last to tell, but I just needed to put this book to bed to just confirm how I was ending this book so that I could just bring some details and some plot points forward into the last book. So, so Last to Tell's, you know, there. I could, I'm, so, I'm ready to start writing it next week. There's no, no problem with writing. I've got the last chapters done. I have got the first chapters done. And then also I have chapters that are set in the past and they're all planned. So I, I got about two weeks worth of writing before I have to even think about um, any further planning with that book. And... Um, I've changed um, something else in my process with this book. You, you'll know if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time that I've used Scrivener to write my books for years. Many, many years ago, I started with Word. I hated Word for formatting. I moved to Scrivener. Scrivener's always been great. Uh, I write in Scrivener. I export to Word. Word is used for the edits because, you know, that tends to be what editors uh, use. It's easier to edit in Word and do find and replace and things like that in Word. Um, and then I've formatted in vellum. Well, a big change this time, and this is one of the things I was telling you in the last podcast episode, is that because I, travel is going to be a bigger part of my life now, and because I'd spent six months in Spain working from a Chromebook, you know, from laptops, and then another month in Spain working from a Chromebook, um, I, I really want to find a cloud-based writing solution. And I mentioned in those last episodes that I was looking at Atticus, which Dave Chesson is working on. Now, Dave is, as I record this, is is launching Atticus right now. Now, I managed to get in with Atticus at the early adopter price. I just paid the one-off fee for it. I just £145, something like that. And I'm just going to trust that Dave, I've looked at the, um, what do they call it, the roadmap for the software. And I'm just going to trust that Dave is going to get that right because he's, he knows authors, he's you know, he's appearing at 20 Books Vegas, you know, he'll get the feedback. I just trust Dave to do a, a great piece of software. Now, Atticus works on PCs, it works on Macs, and it works on Chromebooks. It's all based in the cloud. It's a one-time fee, which I'm a bit surprised, actually. I'm surprised Dave doesn't charge a monthly fee on his softwares, because, as you know, if you've listened for some time, you know that I've been involved in some software development. And one of the lessons I learned about that is you need to have a monthly recurring fee on it. So whether he'll move to that later, I don't know. But I've I've managed to get it as a one-time fee, uh, you know, for early adopters as one, I think it was £145 or dollars, I can't remember which, but it, it certainly wasn't a problem, uh, you know, for a piece of software that I'll be using. And what I will plan to do, it's not quite ready yet, Atticus, I mean, you can certainly write a book in it, you can certainly export it, you know, to a Word doc and then send it to your editor and then process it in Vellum. You could even process it in Atticus so that it could go straight to Kindle. You know, the, all the processing and templates are there. Um, it's not it's not quite ready for me yet to make the change. So I've bought it, and I'll wait for Dave to kind of, you know, I've seen the roadmap. I know what he's got planned for it. I just need it to get a little bit further down the line before I make a wholesale switch for it. But my intention is, my my hope is with, with Atticus, that I will be able to move my entire catalogue in there because I know he's good to have sort of you know mo well I can already import um you know existing books but I want to have my whole catalogue in there in the cloud so that I can back them up um using Atticus files you know on my on my Chromebook and I want I want eventually to manage my entire catalogue in 
Atticus and to write new books in Atticus. It's not quite there yet. You know, softwares don't just happen overnight. There's a massive amount of work gone into Atticus already, but that's how much trust I'm placing in Dave Chesson with Atticus. You know, he'll get there. I'm absolutely sure he will. But in the meantime, I've written this series of books with the Reedsy free editor. And it's been great. I've been getting on really well with it. I had no trouble whatsoever using the Reedsy free editor. I really wanted to write this one in the cloud. I've created the usual kind of templates that I use in Reedsy. So, you know, I've just, I created the first template for First to Die. Um, so I've got all the chapters in there. Um, and then as I'm giving it to my wife to read, I'm exporting it as a, as a document, as a Word document, and, and then bringing it into uh, Google Drive, which is how my wife comments on it. I've also uh, created, uh, I've exported it in doc, you know, all the edits done on it, then brought it into Vellum to give to the beta readers. I had absolutely no trouble with Reedsy whatsoever. Now, I was very early into Reedsy, like I have been with Atticus. When Reedsy launched that editor, I remember taking a look at it and thinking, again, not quite ready yet, this. Uh, we're not quite there with it. And, and so I left it and I was carrying on with Scrivener. Now, Reads is not quite what I want because the the it, it's brilliant. It's done really well. And if you're looking for a free writing tool that's in the cloud where you can keep all your works, I've got to tell you, you know, Reedsy was a really pleasant surprise for me. It's got uh, writing targets in there. You know, you can do the fonts, chapter management. It, it's it's absolutely fine, and it's free. But Reedsy, effectively, what Reedsy want you to do is use their editors, use their cover designers, and things like that. So it's not a dedicated portal for your books. So in terms of me managing my future catalogue and my back catalogue, Reads is not quite right for me, even though it's been fine for me to manage this project. It's not quite right for me to manage my whole kind of writing uh, back catalogue, my whole writing catalogue. I'm looking to Atticus to be able to do something like that. And, and you know, frankly, you, you couldn't really even do that in Scrivener because with Scrivener, all my books are just available in a single, you know, as a single Scrivener file. They're not all available through one particular portal. So um, I just wanted to recommend Reedsy to you. You know, if you are looking for an editor and, and you don't want to spend anything on it, Reedsy has been absolutely great. It's been reliable, um, you know, fast. I've, I've just gone extremely well with it. It's been a lovely surprise and I'm very happy to recommend it. But I'm putting my eggs in the Atticus basket long term. I will finish writing this trilogy in Reedsy, and then when I write uh, in 2022, and I'll, I'll give you a look ahead to 2022 a little bit later in this podcast, when I write in 2022, I'm hoping that those books will then be completely managed within Atticus. So two things to check there, Atticus and Reedsy, if you're looking for a sort of writing software. Now with these books, I've put all the books on pre-order pretty well straight away. So the minute I'd finished First to Die First Draft, I put it on pre-order. I went into my back catalogue of books in the Morecambe Bay series, and I made sure that right from um, Left for Dead, which is the first book in the entire series, that you could buy that pre-order. The moment that I knew that the second book was ready... I, what I decided to do is I just thought, you know, I'm far enough with this now. I got the story. I know this is going to happen. I went through, and no pressure, of course, on this, is I've put everything on pre-order. And I put even more pressure on myself because originally I was going to release First to Die. I think that's 1st of November. And then the next book is going to go 
that's going to go on the 6th of December and then the third book goes on the 3rd of January and I was then going to release the box set in February and the nine pack in March and I just thought you know what I'm not going to do that what's the point because I have all the files ready on January the 3rd this is going to become my lead product. This is the one that I hope is going to make all the money uh, because, you know, I've been thrashing the 12-pack the for the last two years and it's done very well. And this is going to be my new, you know, 12-pack replacement. So I just thought, why, why do that? Why delay when I have all the files anyway? So on January the 3rd, book three is going to be available for sale. The box set of three books in Walk and Bay Trilogy 3 is going to be on sale as is the nine pack of books going to be on sale. I'm not going to delay it. Now, originally, the reason I had delayed it was because I was in that rapid release mindset. I was thinking, oh, get a release every 28 days. But, you know, I just want the money. And there's no point waiting two months to start earning on those units when they're frankly ready to go on, on January the 3rd. So they're all getting released on the same day. And I've put them all on pre-order for January the 3rd. Now, what encouraged me to do that was the fact that I got a BookBub promo on Left for Dead, the first, very first book in the trilogy. And that's beautiful timing for me. And incidentally, I got that promo with BookBub and it's Amazon exclusive. It's not even listed wide, it's an Amazon exclusive. And I got that BookBub in all territories, which is fantastic. Now, because I got that BookBub, that is the perfect opportunity to get people running through books one to six, which are already available. And then, if they like the series, to get them pre-ordering on books seven, eight, and nine in the series. The timing is, is perfect. You've got six books to read by November the 1st. That's a lovely timescale for people to be working through that series. And then the next three books will be available you know, in a 28-day uh, sequence. So, because I got that BookBub promo, I have listed everything on pre-sale. You can pre-sale the lot, the whole rack. I have changed all the uh, blurbs in my books to allow people to buy those books on pre-sale now. So all the order links are there and they're live. And I'm already getting orders on every single unit that is available for sale. So I've got pre-sales for First to Die. I've got pre-sales for The Thing to Lose. I've got pre-sales for Last to Tell. I've got pre-sales on the three-pack, the box set, and I've got pre-sales even on the nine-pack of books. So everything, every single unit, all five units, are making sales right now. And I've thrown massive traffic uh, left for dead because, I, I, because I'm in KDP Select. I've got a five-day promo period on it. So I had the BookBub on Monday, and I have set up loads of promos throughout the week because I want as many people put in the top of my sales funnel, which is Left for Dead, the first book in the series. Now, clearly, some, some people will get it for free, they never even look at it. A certain percentage will read it, some will hate it, some will love it, and the ones who love it are the ones who will go through the whole series and I will make the money from. That's really what we're playing for here. So, let me tell you what I did this week. So Monday the 27th, uh, Monday, last Monday as I'm speaking to you now, we had the BookBub featured deal and I also booked a BK Knights promo on Fiverr. They're worth having those BK Knights promos. They've always worked very well for me. On Tuesday, I had an e-reader news today promo, a free booksy promo and a my book cave promo. On Wednesday, I had a book adrenaline promo and a Kindle Nation daily promo. And then today, Thursday, the day I'm recording this for you, I've had a book doggy promo and a fussy librarian promo. So I think, is that nine, nine promos? And in addition to that, 
the moment that the free period started in Kindle, I've had Facebook adverts running for five days. They'll run for five days while it's while it's free in the US of the UK. So I have literally thrown as much as I can at that five-day free period because I want as many people, if you think of it like shoveling coal into a, the front of a steam engine, I've been shoveling as much coal as I can into that steam engine to create as much steam as we can and power it as fast as we can. Now, as I say, you know, just because people have downloaded it for free doesn't mean they're going to read it, but they certainly ain't going to read it if they haven't even downloaded it. So, you know, that's the policy with that. Now, the other thing I've done, you'll know that I haven't emailed my list for ages. I mean, I'm so embarrassed to say this. I know all about lists. You know, I know all the theory. I've done it for a long time, but I just I just couldn't be bothered. Isn't that terrible? I just, I'd got nothing particular to say. I wasn't working on anything particular. And I just thought, you know, I don't really read emails where people are just chit-chatting to me. I, I'm a very, as you know, a very business-focused person. And I didn't want to sit out chatty emails. I didn't really have a lot going on. Um, I didn't want to tell people I was in Spain while everybody else was suffering with COVID. So I, I decided not to do it. Anyhow, I decided then to send an email to all people who'd asked for my thriller updates and my general author updates. And just prior to that, I did a promotion. Was it Book Sweeps? I think it was a Book Sweeps promotion where I'd got another 400 and something new subscribers just to top up my thriller list. So I topped up my MailerLite list. And then on Monday, I sent an email out to however many thousand people that was, three and a half thousand people. And um, I just basically said, sorry, you haven't heard from me for a long time, but I get too many emails. I'm sure you do. So I just waited till I got something to say. I've had no knockback from that, no kickback from that, no particular, you know, zillions of people unsubscribing. It's just like it never happened. You know, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Uh, there's been no problem with me not emailing people for that length of time. And in that email, it was entirely a sales email no chit chat no what have you been up to none of that it was just i got a whole new series of books out you can pre-order the individual books here you you uh, you can get if you've not even read the series you could download the free one here and then i also promoted the, the three pack box set and the nine pack box set so it was entirely related to my books and what i'm selling and as soon as that email went out I saw all my pre-sales going up. That, that's what's been responsible for all the pre-sales. So I made a load of sales from that email. And because I'm in MailerLite, and I always recommend you do this, whenever it's a sales-related email, always make sure you do what's called a, you know, a resend to no opens. And I've forgotten what um, MailerLite call it. They do an auto-resend or something like that, they call it. But basically, you can set up an email, and you should always do this on a sales email. Not on a chit-chat email necessarily, but always on a sales email where it's about money coming in. Um, I set it up so it went out on Monday, and then everybody who hadn't opened that email on Wednesday, it got resent with a new headline. And I could give you the open rates for that. Now, so bearing in mind, I haven't written to my list. Probably, I, I don't think I've written to them since I did the rapid release. How long ago is that? It's a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think I've done it since I did rapid release. So um, they haven't had an email from me. That's a long time. So let me just give you an idea of what we had on those. I'm just looking for the numbers. I've got it written on my list here, and I've, I've lost my place on the list. Just bear with me one minute, because I, I, I jotted down the numbers for you, which I thought would be interesting for you. Here we go. So on the first email that I sent on Monday, I got a 32% open rate and an 8% click rate. 
And then on the auto resend, which only just went out last night as I'm recording this, I've had an additional 9.9% open rate at a 2.4% click rate. Now, obviously you get diminishing returns on that second email because most of the people who are keen have, have already opened it. But I when I was in internet marketing, we would have killed for a 32% open rate. We would have killed for that. Um, I can remember the biggest launch I ever did, and it was a six-figure launch on ClickBank. And we worked for ages to try and get the open rate up. The open rate was 4.5% on a six-figure launch in internet marketing uh, with ClickBank. So a 32% open rate is, you know, is really good. I mean, we get higher open rates because we're authors and you know, people are more connected to us. But bearing in mind, I hadn't emailed my list in well over a year. I was quite happy with that. Um, so yeah, 32% open rate, 8% click rate on the first email, 9.9% open rate and 2.4% click rate um, on the second email. Now, the other thing I want to give you is, as I've jotted down, I said there would be lots of stats in here because I know this is very useful for everybody. Um, I, I, as usual, have departed from the script and just started ad-libbing it. So let me just find the, the stats for Facebook ads. So I've had a five-day campaign on Facebook ads for Left for Dead for free. So remember, I'm spending money for clicks, but I ain't making any return on that immediately. Um, I, I'm taking the gamble that people who buy Left for Dead will then read it, enjoy it, and then go on to buy the other books. So I make my money on books two to nine in the series. So I've only had a small budget running on it, about five uh, per day on each book. Um, but over the course of the week, this is this is Thursday so far, so it's got another day and a half to run at the time I'm recording this. I've had 285 unique clicks, unique clicks, not total clicks, but uniques. Those, those are individual people. It's cost me £28.48 across the week. So that's about 10 pence per unique click. And so from that 10 pence, if somebody goes on to read the book and then buy the whole series, it's a 10 pence spend for something probably like a £12 profit. Uh, you know, that's what's up for grabs if they buy the whole rack, depending on how they buy it, whether they buy the books individually, whether they get box sets and things like that. It's all sorts of if, buts and maybe. But that's what you're playing for. So potentially, they read eight full-price books for ten, that 10 pence, or they get the book and don't read it, or they get the book and hate it, and I get a Duff review and pay 10 pence for the privilege of a Duff review. And, you know, this is always the risk you take with when you're selling, giving away books for free first in series, is I've always found that the reviews are always lower on that first book. If I look at all my books, uh, Don't Tell Meg, Secret Bunker, uh, The Grid, The Walker Bay Trilogy 1, the first book in series, the reviews are always lower, but when you go to the second and third books in in, in the series, and when you uh, with the Walker Bay trilogy, where you've got books four, five, and six, the reviews at that point are consistently four point whatever they are, you know, mid mid fours, um, whereas they're down to three point nines or four point ones in that kind of range when you've given books away for free. And I believe the reason for that is that people who go for free books are less discerning, and that's the hit you take when you give books away for free. You can create massive traffic, um, but but the penalty you pay is you get undiscerning readers who don't take much care. They read the book. It's not for them because they've picked up the wrong book, and then if you're unlucky, you get a bad review and you take the hits in your reviews. 
but my reviews across books two th- and three um, are always you know much better because by that stage people know they like the book and you know they know they like your style and they're kind of in with both feet at that point and just to give you some more figures here I did say I'll give you loads and loads of figures um, this week and I think I'm I'm not disappointed in them but the, I think these figures are low I've shifted so far 14 and a half thousand copies of Left for Dead in the past three and a half days I that feels low to me I know if you've never shifted that many copies before in, in a couple of days you will be saying what's he moaning about but I, I remember on my first promo on bookbub of don't tell meg i'm sure we were looking at 30,000 giveaways i'm sure we were with don't tell meg the first time so there's no way that's as as powerful as it was but you know 14,000 14 and a half thousand copies that'll be 15 16 by the time i finish these promos and the facebook adverts that's a lot of traffic going in the top of a funnel that if you said maybe what a thousand of those move through the funnel there's a good lot of income that will come from that but it does feel a bit low to me that 14 and a half thousand free copies uh, given away but we'll just see see how it goes we'll see how it goes over the next couple of months as people work their way through the series I must tell you also that I've had some brilliant support from my 29 beta readers. I contacted my beta readers before sending out the main email, and I said to them, I know you haven't heard from me for ages. I've not been writing anything. I've got a book, a three-book series coming out again. Um, Click the link at the bottom if you're not interested in participating anymore. And I ended up, I don't think anybody's unsubscribed, actually. They're all on board. This great team of beta readers. If, If there's one brilliant thing I got from doing rapid release it was having these beta readers um, and and I've got a brilliant team of beta readers they are so good Um, the feedback that I'm getting is absolutely superb I'm very happy with what I've got now I weeded out the people who hadn't given me any feedback so these are 29 beta readers who are completely engaged and who give me really sort of detailed feedback about plot spelling grammar all those sort of things that you just want to mop up at the end so I've used my 29 beta readers I've been working through all their feedback as well and I'm you know so happy that they're all on board and I'm so happy that they're all pleased to be involved I probably spent about a thousand dollars on promos this week um, you know, the, the book bub was six hundred and something dollars. Uh, Kindle Nation wasn't cheap. Uh, Kindle Nation Daily, whatever it's called, that wasn't cheap. I've got all sorts of um, you know different price ranges in there. BK Nights is usually about uh, five to ten dollars. There are sort of forty, fifty dollar ones in there. All you know, all all range of promos. But I don't care. The whole point of this is to just get loads of traffic over that series and as i said to you you know to conclude this section my aim is to make the nine pack of books which will be released on the 3rd of january that is going to become my lead product in 2022 it will replace the 12 pack which i've thrashed uh, on facebook it's still you know still making money i'll talk to you about that later but i just want to lead with something fresh and and sort of you know more powerful something that hasn't had the exposure of that 12 pack and you know the 12 pack has been giving me consistent and steady income over the past two years and i'm rather hoping that this nine pack of morecambe bay books is going to work the same magic over the next two years Email marketing is an essential part of any author marketing strategy and MailerLite is the service I prefer when it comes to sending out my emails. 
MailerLite offers a free account of up to 1,000 subscribers and that also gives you access to a simple website builder. If you're a new author, that allows you to build the two most important components of your author platform without any technical or financial blocks. If you're more advanced in your self-publishing journey, I particularly like the automations, the landing page options, the advanced targeting features, and the automatic resend facility. Where MailChimp can get expensive very quickly, and ConvertKit is probably more suitable for complex business setups, MailerLite is well-priced as you build your subscribers, as well as boasting many incredible features. You pay nothing extra when you buy through my affiliate link, so to check out the email marketing service that I use and recommend, head over to paulteague.net forward slash MailerLite and get your online marketing off to a great start. So let's move on to my general news, because as well as writing those two books and planning the third one, I've been doing all sorts of other stuff around my author business. Now, here's something that I've been putting off for ages. Uh, in the UK, we're supposed to provide copies of every paperback that we've got out there with a with a you know a, a Nielsen ISBN on it. We're supposed to send them to the British Library, and I remember doing this with the Secret Bunker books. In fact, the British Library contacted me. I don't know how they'd got hold of it and said I was supposed to be sending them paperbacks. And so I, I sent them the paperbacks of the Secret Bunker, and then I've always sort of known that I'm supposed to do it, but I haven't got round to doing it. And I've got quite a lot of paperbacks now. So one of the things I did is I purchased every single book that I've got in paperback, and there's a great big pile of them now. It looks, you know, it looks really great. I'm really sort of very happy with it. When I got those paperbacks, I it reminded me that there are a couple of books in the Grid series that I've got where I'd had some problems with the original covers that I got, and so I'd I'd had to kind of do make do versions where I'd used, you know, the Amazon cover creator. I'd put the ebook cover on the front, and then I'd done what's called color picking, where I got the matching color from the from the ebook cover, and I'd used the Amazon cover creator to, to make the rest of the cover rather than having the original covers on because Ingram Spark wouldn't take those covers nor would um, Kindle, it wouldn't take the paperback covers. Um, there was I don't know what the issue was but it wouldn't take them anymore, maybe because I changed the, you know, the width of the spines or whatever it was but it wouldn't take the original covers and I looked at them and, and sort of seeing this beautiful pile of uh, paperbacks I just thought Ooh, they're not quite right so what I did is I, I got on to Sean Stevens from Flintlock Covers and Sean uh, had already done this with Phase 6 when I bought the cover for Phase 6 I only bought the ebook cover I never got a paperback cover made and Sean did a brilliant job he took the ebook cover and he, and he turned it into a sort of, you know, a matching, a really nicely harmonised uh, paperback cover, which meant I could put Phase 6 up as a sale on paperbacks. Well, I contacted Sean and said, can you do this with um, these grid covers, even, you know, even though they're not the right size at the moment? And using his technical magic, Sean sorted the covers out for me. They look, you know, fabulous. They look like the originals do, but they fit now. And it allowed me then to get the grid series listed on Ingram Spark, which I don't think has ever been listed on Ingram Spark because the covers never worked on Ingram Spark. And it's allowed me to list it on, um, what's it called, Amazon. And so I've now got, I just wanted to wait until I'd got those, just a couple of little cover tweaks sorted so that I've now got a great big pile next to my desk of 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 all the paperbacks I've ever produced, including the ones I did uh, in collaboration with John and James. And then if it ever stops raining again in the UK, 
I'm going to take some photos of those, just some some marketing photos. So I'll, I'll get some marketing photos of the whole pile of books, and then I'll split them off into sort of thrillers series and things like that, and just photograph them nicely against a hedge or something like that, you know, so that they look um, they, they they look like reasonable marketing shots, and then. We're going to get them sent off to the British Library so that every single paperback I've got with a Nielsen ISBN is sitting in the British Library and I've done what I'm supposed to do as an author. So that's one big project that I've been working on, but it's been fantastic for the first time ever to see all my books pile up. There's a heck of a pile there. And I have to say, you know, it does, you know, what I'm like, I just always got my head down and working on the books. I've never had that sensation of sitting back and thinking, you know, wow that's a lot of writing that's a lot of work but if you ever feel like you're you know just wasting your time with this business or all you ever do is work I do recommend buying your books in paperback and, and just sitting back and, and looking at them sometimes because I don't think you know I I felt kind of really proud of the work I'd done when I saw them all stacked up like that I thought well you know even if the books were rubbish you can't take away you can't take that away from someone that that pile of work that's been done in the past five years or so um so that's good they're just waiting on the desk ready to be sorted now the other thing that i did is i decided that i wanted to claim i, I, th I think i've spoken about this a couple of times before you may recall that i when i wrote the secret bunker books i rapidly produced six books on internet marketing so there was a twitter one a linkedin one there was one on webinars one on facebook one on Oof, email marketing and one on something else yeah was it facebook did i say that i can't remember anyhow six six marketing books and then i took those marketing books and i turned them into a massive book that was like a for dummies book called your author platform blueprint by the time i'd made that book it was so expensive no one was going to buy it but i i'd done all that work and i there was something in that made me think you know i want to claim those books i want because i, I did the work on them i want to claim them in, in terms of my author back catalogue so one of the things I did, and this was like a gratuitous kind of vanity job, I don't expect to sell any of them because they're all out of date, but I, I relisted them. I, I reworked the blurbs. I made it very clear that they're a 2017 edition or a 2019 edition. I um, tidied up the files very quickly by taking out broken links and things like that. Um, and, and, I, and I republished all my books. If you go and look at my nonfiction titles now, if you go to what do I write nonfiction under? P. Teague, isn't it? If you go to P. Teague, you will see there now that you've got the most recent nonfiction books I've written, the, the Author Platform Blueprint, the Podcast Book, the Create and Sell Digital Products, and the Five Figure Fiction Formula. Those are the ones, the nonfiction books that I've written, knowing what I know now, which is not to put information that's dated in them. You'll then also see that I've resurrected the Mailchimp book, which incidentally keeps on selling. That Mailchimp paper book, paperback keeps on selling. As soon as I put it up for sale, I was, I was making sales on it again. Even though I've put, you know, this is a last updated 2019, people still buy that book. I put the WordPress paperback back up for sale. The author platform blueprint I made available only in ebook form. It's too it's too much work with no return to put it up as a paperback again. But I put the ebook version up um, in on, on on there. And also you've got four of the internet marketing books on there as well. Now the reason that there's only four, not six, is because the email marketing book and the WordPress book became the paperback versions that I've got now. So I didn't want to sort of double list them. So though they the, the most popular books that I did, which were the email marketing one, 
which turned into a MailChimp book and the WordPress one, I kind of rewrote those and updated them and then sold them as, as, as paperbacks. They did, they did very well as paperbacks. And so I've put those versions live. But what that means then is that when I publish the last book, uh, what's it called, Last to Tell, in this current Walker Bay trilogy, that will mean that my back catalogue is 40 books. I will have written and published 40 books. Now, clearly, those older books um, aren't going to sell. I've made them available on Kindle Unlimited so that you know people can just read them. Uh, but there's still loads of great marketing information in there, even though the, the images in them uh, are not up to date. Um, there's, I'd, I'd read them, I thought, you know, if you bought that for a couple of pounds, there's loads of great marketing information on there. So, so long as I make the publishing dates really, really quick, clear right at the top when it was, you know, when it was last updated, um, I, I want to claim those as my author back catalogue. I don't want them to just sort of disappear and be delisted. So yeah, in, in January the 3rd, I will have 40 published books to my name across three genres. And that reflects the work I've done over the last, what is it, six or seven years as an author. One of the things I've done since I last spoke to you is I wanted to try Hello Books, which is Mark Dawson's uh, new uh, book project, you know, to, to sell books. It's they're trying to create an alternative to BookBub. And um, I, I sort of thought, I don't know where I got this from, that they'd said they were going to be quite fussy about who they admit. And so I thought, oh, you know, I... I, I. <laughs> You've got to be in the mood for rejection, haven't you? And I thought it would be quite harsh being rejected by uh, Mark and James. So I'd given it a little while. And I can't remember what made me do it, but I thought I'll, I'll try Hello Books. Anyway, they accepted my 12-pack uh, straight away, which was fantastic. I didn't get any knockbacks. It went straight through. And that promo was a week ago, well, last Friday. It was last Friday. And I just wanted to talk to you about this because some of you may be considering it. I've been watching the non-fiction, the sci-fi and the thrillers over the last couple of weeks. I, I signed up to receive the email so I could get a feel for them. Now, one, the first thing I'm going to say is that the administration of Hello Books is, is excellent. You know, it's very clear, you know, when you've got to pay, what you've got to do. Very, very clear uh, administration. And you get a couple of emails. You get the reminder emails, the acknowledgement email that you're that you're on and what your date is and how you've got to pay and then you get a marketing email too so the administration of it is is extremely good one of the things i sort of observed and i have fed this back i i, I got a feedback survey this week is I was sort of expecting the quality of the covers to be higher. That's one comment I would make. I mean, when you look at a, a BookBub email promo, there are no duff covers in there at all. And when I'd been getting the Hello Books emails, I thought, hmm, I'm quite surprised some of those covers have, have, have slipped through. They're, they're not the sort of covers that I would put on something where I was trying to go premium, you know, like, like the BookBub model. You know what it's like when you get a couple of duff covers and you think, yeah, okay, you need to get a decent cover on that. And I was quite surprised at that. So I have fed that back. I've been I have fed put that in my feedback. So I'm not sort of speaking out of class, uh, so to speak. And um, the thing I did love was that um, just before the promo, I got an email where I got bespoke uh, graphics uh, to encourage me to uh, to with my own book on to encourage me to. Uh, you know, sort of let people know that I was part of the promotion. Now, again, I fed this back. Uh, I, as you know, I will not promote other people's books, because 
you know, for, I ought to have read them and think it was brilliant before I, I promote it. I won't promote something that I haven't read. The chances of me reading it are quite low because, you know, I don't get as much reading done as I would like to do. And unfortunately, most of that's non-fiction rather than fiction. I know what Stephen King says on writing, but, you know, I just don't get the, the, the time where I don't prioritise it. It's not, no such thing as not having the time. It's about what you prioritise. So I don't prioritise reading fiction over the other things I've got to do. So, um, so I got these lovely graphics but I didn't use them because I wasn't happy to, you know, I'm not promoting some other people's books. Um, so I shifted at the most, at the very most, 50 copies. That's very generous. So I didn't shift a lot of copies through the promo, but I thought I'd just sort of feed that back. Excellent administration. Always very happy to have somebody else promoting books, uh, you know, on the list. That's great. Didn't shift that many copies. What I would like to do next, and again, I put this in my feedback, is what I'd like to do next is to try a free book on Hello Books. Because to be frank with you, whenever I have a book at 99 pence or cents on an email promo, I never really shift any. The only time I ever shift any books on these email promos is when they're free. So I think the next thing I would do with Hello Books is to try a free book promo and see how many copies that shifts. But for a paid promo, 99 pence promo, even on a, on my 12-pack, it, it didn't shift a lot of copies. And I'd have to say it's the jury's out on whether I um, even covered my costs on that. So I just wanted to update you on that, seeing as there's so much you know interest around it. I can't believe that I have missed on my travels the novel marketing podcast. And I really want to recommend this to you. It's called the Novel Marketing Podcast. There is some brilliant sort of marketing-y stuff on that podcast. Just really, you know, nuts and bolts marketing stuff. And I, I've i seen it when I... I don't, know, I don't know what made me sort of start consuming the episodes. And I went through... There's a huge back catalogue. I think they're doing episode 300 this week. So what I'd suggest you do is go through the back catalogue and just download the ones that are of interest to you. But I just don't know why this wasn't on my radar it's a great podcast. So it's called the Novel Marketing Podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes. And I do recommend that you check it out and selectively go through the back catalogue because there's some brilliant, brilliant marketing content in there. Uh, I haven't gone and I'm not going to 20 Books Vegas, which is coming out within the next month or so. I'm not kind of ready to do that COVID-wise at the moment. And also, you know, at the we can't even can we go to America yet? I can't, we're about to be able to go, or we can't. I can't remember. Anyway, it's too. You know, I'm not going to Vegas. Not this year. Um, I'm not in the right sort of headspace to go to Vegas. But what I did do is I have paid to get the streaming views from it, which to me is a brilliant compromise. If you're a little bit jittery still about attending, a, you know, a huge event like that. So I will be able to watch it with streaming. I've paid for that, and I've actually got the link uh, this week. And I've been signing up to the Vega sessions that I'm particularly keen to watch. But the one thing that I did do the moment that I heard about it was the 20 books. Um, well, I, I was going to say Edinburgh, but actually Craig Martell is, is doing a short tour of the UK. Uh, and then also there's a 20 books in Madrid, which is just a couple of hours you know, flight away. It's just like going me going over to Benidorm. Uh, just a nice European flight for me. So um, I was straight on the UK tour. And I've decided to go to join the tour in Edinburgh. Again, uh, Edinburgh or Manchester were the best ones for me. Not quite ready to be in Manchester yet, um, you know, on the trains. Very happy to go up to Edinburgh on the trains. Basically, when you go up from Carlisle, the trains always get quieter and quieter the higher you go. 
And when you leave Carlisle, the trains get busier and busier. And uh, I'm very happy to go down as far as Preston on the trains at the moment, but it starts to become bedlam at that point. And I'm not happy to be sitting on cattle truck trains at the moment. So I've said no to Manchester uh, and yes to Edinburgh. So I'm going to join the UK tour in Edinburgh. And also, now this was frustrating. This is when Facebook gets really frustrating. You know when you, you know, you've signed up to a group and then you miss a notification. You think, well, where the heck did that go? I, I, I wanted, I was all over Madrid. I wanted to go to 20 Books Madrid and I'd registered interest, but I didn't see the notification when the tickets were released. The, the tickets went in five minutes flat like they always do and I didn't get a Madrid ticket. So I've had to put myself on the waiting list. Now, I have had somebody make a contact with me and there is a chance that they've got an extra ticket which they will sell to me. Um, and, and I'm on the waiting list as well, so um, you can see it with Vegas now. Whenever people buy tickets, by the time you get closer to the event, there's loads of people dropping out and trying to sell ho- well hotel rooms and and tickets. So hopefully there's a reasonable chance. Uh, but but I have got a personal contact, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this one will come off. Um, and I so I've put the money by for twenty bucks Madrid. I've booked the hotel already, which I can cancel. I've done it on Booking.com. My wife's coming over. She'll just go and enjoy Madrid. She's not interested in the writing conference. She'll just go and have fun in Madrid. We've booked ourselves an apartment in Madrid, which we can cancel if I don't get the tickets. I've put the money by in the business for our um, travel, for our uh, tickets for the plane. Uh, And I've also put the money by for a ticket, if I'm lucky enough to get one. So I don't think I'll know that until January when all the sort of jiggery-pokery starts. I think Craig starts to ask for final payments, and that's when people who've got a ticket decide, well, I don't want to go anymore, and then tickets come up for grabs. So fingers crossed uh, for Madrid, definitely going to 20 Books Edinburgh. And again, I've got my apartment booked in Edinburgh. But you notice I keep saying apartments now. My new kind of COVID-friendly uh, learning is that I get self-contained apartments now rather than going into hotels. Uh, I've got quite a taste for those now where you know all your facilities, um, your cooking, your, your, your bathroom, your bedroom uh, is all completely self-contained. So I'm tending to book apartments uh, at the moment. Uh, what else? There's loads, so much to tell you, isn't there? You can see why I wanted to just drop in this update for you. My big plan for 2022 is, well, the plan is, at the moment, that I am going to finish writing this third book uh, by the first week of November. It will go off for editing then, and in the first week of November, I am going to Spain, and I'm going to Spain for another five weeks. I'm going to Spain for five weeks before Christmas to get my kind of burst of sunshine. When I get back from Spain, I will release, uh, you know, do my final edits on and release the final book. So the first book, First to Die, will be released in the week I go to Spain or the week before I go to Spain. The uh, second book, uh, Nothing to Lose, will have been edited by then and it will be released as I leave Spain. And then I'll just put the finishing touches to the last book, the third book, so it's ready to release on the 3rd of January. But we're still we're going to Spain, we're going to Benidorm for five weeks, November to December. And at that point, on January the 3rd, when all those books have been released, I then have no plans to write anything new so far in 2022. I've got some quite interesting stuff to tell you about 2022. So in 2022, my plan 
is to do a complete quality control process over my entire back catalog and I've already created a massive spreadsheet I've called it quality control 22 it's in Google Docs because I'm adding stuff to this as I think about it every single book that is current in my catalog I am then going to go through and do complete quality control on it to make sure that everything is absolutely right you know we've reached this point at 40 books because i've already told you in previous podcast episodes that you know a change is coming i i'm going to try probably writing some different genres i want to do some different stuff and i want to do it at a more relaxed kind of pace uh, but but i needed to finish this book bay series before i did that so uh, i've got a complete clean slate when i finish this walk bay series so I've created this quality check with, with check boxes for all the books, and I'm going to check everything. My also buys, uh, I want to make sure I've got, um, Dave Chesson did a lovely blog post, and I haven't acted on it yet, where he showed you the link format to give to take you directly to a review page. So I want to have a review page in all my books. I haven't done that. I want to check the copyright notice. I want to check my author notes, my about the author pages, my call to actions in every book, my my, my back blurbs on the paperbacks. I want to check that the covers are all exactly as I need them to be. I want to check my Amazon listings, my pricing strategy across all my books, uh, my Google listings, my draft of digital listings. I need to check my file interiors. I want to create new updated vellum files with all those uh, that information in. Um, if I can at that point, I want to move everything into Atticus for future management but I'll be using Vellum until then. I need to check all the internal web links within those books to make sure they're they're current, there's no dead links in them. Uh, I want to, um, so, oh, this is something I forgot to put on the notes actually. Um, I have now registered all my books with a, a copyright firm. I think it's probably a completely pointless process. It's probably completely pointless. But I was listening to Sasha Black talking about a problem she'd had where there was a copyright query on one of her books from, from Amazon. And, and I just I looked around and I found a website that allows me to register my books. It's in the UK. It's cost me £99 as a one-off payment. And I've got huge sort of storage in this. It allows me to, to register each of my books against my name. Uh, and it generates a... a a, a certificate of copyright for each of those books now you know it's probably it's probably completely pointless but I just decided to do this so I had got some line in the sand some record some certi certification that the books are my copyright so I've registered the paperback interior files and the Moby interior uh, fire ebook files for every single book that I've got and uh, and I, and I just want to make sure that they're all up to date, you know, when, I've, when I'm up to my 40 books. Everything that I've got is registered. Now, it's probably a complete waste of time, but it was only under a quid. And at least it gives me something, some certification, some way of proving, you know, on that date, I'd registered those copyrights with that with that company. And I just thought, I don't know, you know, I don't know how else you prove it, but it just felt like it can't do any harm. It might do some good. And then on my list of things that I want to check, I've got the finalised files to Atticus. And I also, um, when I was talking to Sean Stevens, I said to Sean, uh, I would like to create hardback copies of my best-selling books. Uh, can you do me, from the existing covers that I've got, can you create me paper sleeves 
and can you create hardback covers and Sean could do that from my existing covers so I'm going to probably put the Don't Tell Meg series the first of the Walker Bay trilogies they're probably going to go into hardback in the new year too as part of that of that process there's no no rush particularly for me to do that it's just a little sort of vanity project but they're always my best selling books and I'm going to do it for I then got a whole list of editing jobs that I want to do. And I think this is going to pretty well take up 2022, you know, unless something changes. But I, I, I want to, you know, review the books that I've got. So I, I want to re-edit the grid. The grid trilogy hasn't been sort of re-edited since I wrote it. And I've learned a lot more tricks since then. So I'd like to go through the grid trilogy with what I know now and see if I can improve that. I want to consider sticking a happy ending on two years after, which is my uh, thriller that has a grim ending. Um, I want to go through my non-fiction because I've really reduced the number of web, web links that I have in my business at the moment. I've been winding down loads of domain names so that I, I end up with about three or four across the whole business. So I need to go through my non-fiction and change some web links and republish those next year. Um, and just just some you know just some things I need to do across the books um, where I'm not going to uh, continue um, my sci-fi series. I just want to uh, slightly re-edit and remove some open ends that I'd left in the books and just close close those off. So I, I just literally want to get the 40 books that can sit there forever. They're all up to date. They all cross-promote each other. There's no dead links in them or anything like that. So it's a complete quality control. And that's all coming up in 2022, as soon as I've put this current series to bed. So quite a lot of work involved in there as you'll know and here's the real surprise thing that even I I can't believe I'm telling you but I'll just let you know that this is blowing in the wind um, I'm considering only considering at the moment doing an M lit I discovered that in Dundee they have a course and it's a crime writing uh, master's degree but it, they also, it's tied into um, for forensic policing. So it, it, it's sort of like, it's perfect for me. It's got my name you know, writ written all over it. Um, it's, it's literally crime writing and forensic science is, is the M lit. And it's, it's all about, you know, uh, you, you work with writers and obviously improve your, your crime writing, uh, but also you work with police and forensics teams and learn all about, um, you know the, the process that the police go through that now I'm as I've been writing my novels I've got increasingly interested in that and and I'm really I'm really tempted to do this literally as, as a sort of busman's holiday but also because you know I want to get I kind of feel like with my writing I, I need if I'm going to move things on I kind of need a, a mastermind course or some form of mentorship I felt that for a long time and so it would give me that kind of mentorship that exposure to um, you know to agents and editors through the through the course but also it would enhance my writing by being involved and having contacts with you know the police and people who are involved in forensic science now this course is in Dundee it is at a stretch commutable um, so we've got to work out lots of practicalities um, but basically uh, I'm 
in spring, we won't do it yet, but in spring I shall go up to the University of Dundee, I shall have a look around, I shall talk to people. One of the things I'm very keen on, I'm always, very bit, I'm always a bit nervous of academia, you know, because they they got to kind of have the academic integrity of a master's course. And, and that might mean there's a lot of nonsense in it. Now, you know, one of the things I refuse to do, for instance, as part of a master's, is I am not writing poetry, okay? You will never see the day that I write poetry. And I don't want to be doing writing stuff that's completely off piece for me. You know, I know I know what my genres are. Thrillers is where I make my money. You know, that um, master's degree has to be entirely focused on criminology, you know, criminals, uh, crime writing, forensics. And if it goes off piste into a load of academic nonsense, then I won't touch it with a barge pole. But if it's completely on task, I've got to tell you I'm very interested in it. So I just let you know that's blowing in the wind. Now that would start September of next year. So roughly, very, very roughly, you know I changed my plans, you know, like the wind changes direction. Very, very roughly, the plan is to have all these books done in January, to then work on quality control um, through until the end of August, and then potentially to be doing an MLIT, you know, from September onwards. That's a very, very, very rough plan. Now, the MLIT could die in an instant. You know, if, if, if when I get burrow into the details of the course, if there's too much that's extraneous or wasting my time in there, I, I won't waste the time or the money on it. Um, there is another MLIT in Glasgow. Uh, I don't know whether it's MLIT, but it's a Master's on Writing. Uh, which also looks extremely good, and, and and Glasgow from here is actually very easily commutable, Glasgow. But I suspect there might be a bit, you know, too much kind of poetry and stuff that I'm just not interested in. I've been writing long enough to know what I want to do. I am not touching poetry with a barge pole, um, and I'm not even doing it, you know, to keep a lecturer sweet because it's part of the course. I'm not touching. I'm not wasting my time with poetry. So, um, so that that's a really big deal for me. If I were to do any of these courses, they've got to be sort of super focused on what I want to do in my career. I'm not a new writer. I got. I'll have forty books published. It'd be more than most of the blooming lecturers at that point. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm a successful writer. It doesn't mean that I can't learn from it. That's the whole reason for me doing it. I want to learn from it. But I'm not going to waste my time doing stuff that I know I will never use in my writing career. That's the you know, the big difference. So Dundee's first on the list. If Dundee doesn't work out, I look at Glasgow. And if neither of them work out, well, I'll just you know shuffle the pack and figure out what I want to do next. Who knows? But we'll figure that out when we get to it. This podcast is supported by affiliate sales of Vellum, the best way to format your publications in Mobi, EPUB or paperback format. When you buy Vellum through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds, which goes to support my time and effort producing this podcast. All of my books are produced in Vellum, and I even have a simple guide to using Vellum on a PC over at my blog. Just head for paulteague.net forward slash use Vellum and download your free PDF how-to guide. So, to check out the best formatting software on the planet, head over to paulteague.net forward slash vellum. Now, here's something that was a very pleasant surprise. I don't know whether you've looked at your author central area recently on Amazon, but they've done some jiggery-pokery with it. Because I write in three genres, thrillers, uh, science fiction and non-fiction, I've had in the past, I've had to create separate author central areas for the UK and um, also I think I've done the USA, I'm sure I've done 
one in Europe as well somewhere. But I've got all these different emails connected to different author central areas, and it's become a bit of a nightmare. And basically what I wanted really was just one email for Amazon to rule them all. I mean that for personal use and also for author use. Author Central has had a revamp now, and the people who provide support for Author Central would be great. And in very simple terms, what I've managed to do is bring all of my three author profiles just into one Author Central login, which uses my main email. So it's absolutely marvelous. I can now manage three author prof- profiles from one portal. If I just need to update the you know, the author information about me or, you know, add a blog or something like that. I can just do it from one place. So if you haven't looked at that, you know, check check it out. It's really good. You just add your books in and things like that. The team are really helpful. But I mean, that, oh, blimey, what a nuisance that was. I had so many different emails and, and it forced me to look at it because I told you that I'm reducing the number of my domain names. A couple of the domain names I'd used for the emails are expiring fairly shortly, so that pressure cooked me into sorting it out. But I'm so happy that it's all resolved now, and it's just one more thing that makes my life easier in my writing career. The other thing, I did tell you this in the last uh, series of podcasts, I, I mentioned a bookbub spreadsheet which allows you to put the books on that you're submitting to bookbub and then you you enter the details of the book you say when you submitted it when it got rejected if it got accepted and basically this spreadsheet um, shuffles all your books and it tells you which one is next in line for a bookbub promotion well i'm actually i'm using that relentlessly now um, as i thought i would and this is what led to me getting the left for dead uh, promotion in that I'm literally using it like a sausage factory now in that the next book pops up and the moment it's due I submit it and then the next one the moment it's due I submit it I'm just constantly submitting to bookbub at the moment and that as I say is why I got the left for dead uh, promo uh, with bookbub so what I would you know suggest you do is uh, if you haven't caught that just go back a couple of episodes you'll see there's a link to how you can get that bookbub spreadsheet but I'm finding that really you know useful for uh, you know just managing my bookbub promotions and the other thing the other spreadsheet I'm using still and it's over it's got well over a year's worth of data on it now much more than a year's da- worth of data must be about six, uh, 18 months, I would think, is I've also got my spreadsheet for profit and loss on my Facebook ads. And so I've adapted it slightly now so that uh, for every single day since I've been promoting my 12-pack uh, on Facebook, I've got how much I've spent on ads, how much it's brought in, and then also for the month's takings, if I'm promoting on BookBurb or Amazon, I remove that so I could always see my net profit, net of, um, of my ads every month to make sure that I'm constantly profitable. Now, my Facebook ads of the 12-pack are still profitable, just not at the same scale as they were. So it's still, uh, you know, paying dividends. Every time I try and put the budgets up higher, uh, they become just on the verge of profitable. So it's not doing as well as it was. And also, I've now changed the audience to, um, what's the word for it? Um, One of the special audiences that you have on Facebook. So I've now asked it to find me an audience that is based on people who've looked at my ads in the past but not in the last three months so it's created with this new dynamic audience for my ads the price is still really low I'm still paying about 13 pence per click on on that on that set which is good um, but it's nowhere near like it was in COVID times you know I, I did think at first that it was nothing to do with COVID 
but it was quite evident that the success of that was due to COVID. People were just buying books. Mine was great deal if you were stuck at home. And so that's why we got that really high five-figure traffic. But you know, you know, it's still bringing in the bulk of my income, even after this length of time. And, you know, in terms of income, I've got my salary in the bank until next October. I've got all my, every single bit of software that I need until next October is also paid for in the bank. I got money put aside for, you know, 20 books, the apartment, the flights and things like that. You know, it's still creating, generating plenty of income. I've spent money on all sorts of things, 200 paperbacks, even though I get the money, sort of, I, I get commissioned back on the paperbacks. I had to spend 200 and something pounds just getting my paperbacks. I've bought Atticus as well. Um, you know, I've been paying for book covers and things like that. So um, it's it, it's nowhere near the five figures that we had, but it is still bringing in a comfortable level of income to pay or to have the money in advance for all the software and services that I need, all the all the things I've got to pay for, you know, and the salaries and nice things like Twenty Books Madrid. And so I just want to remind you about this that you know people talk about six and seven seven figure authors. I'm not one of those, but you don't always have to be. You know, I mean that's obviously a very nice goal to reach, and we'd all like to reach it. But you know, you could change things substantially for the better not being a six or seven figure author you know most of us are just regular people and actually you know five figures is is fine for us most of the time and considering it's money that we're generating out of work that we've already done in the past I'd say that's a pretty good deal you know I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at my young people in my family having to go out and, and earn a wage and get paid by the hour and I'm sort of thinking, well, you know, I just earned that sitting on my butt every day um, from, from the books that I've done. So, you know, it might, you may not be getting there right now, but it is a tremendous way of generating income. Clearly, it takes work up front, but it's work that you get paid for month in and, and month out. You know, you don't you do the work once and you get paid for it many times. Whereas I'm looking at sort of kids in my house, they're having to go out and they're getting paid by the hour and that hour's vaporized so they can never get that hour back again. It is a really good way of generating income by writing books, but it takes a considerable amount of effort and, and you know, some, you know, a couple of years at least to hit that critical mass where that will happen uh, for you. Talking of my 12 pack, it now has 1,922 reviews on it. So we're going to hit that 2,000 mark really soon. I mean, clearly, again, you know, the sales have slowed down from those five-figure month times, but um, still getting plenty of reviews on it. And it's it's reviewed at four point something or other. Uh, you know, I'm quite happy with the reviews, bearing in mind it's got 12 books in it. And uh, when we hit the 2,000 mark, that's going to feel really special. And then, you know, you've got 2,000. You think, wow, that's doing all right. And then you see somebody who released a book, you know, a best-selling book a week or two ago, and it's already got 3,000 on it. And it just kind of kicks you straight back into your box, isn't it? But, um, you know, for, for me at my level, I'm very happy to have 1,922 reviews because I can remember the days when I was just trying to get to 10 and it felt like uh, pulling teeth. So I'm very pleased with that and long may it continue. I had one of my uh, many fits of peak this week and I be, I've been watching my books listed wide, my non-fiction and my science fiction, and it's just not earning enough money listed wide. You know, I Kobo, I keep I, every time I can, I list the books on Kobo's promotions, and I I attended an Apple webinar the other day. I can't remember. I was laid on by Wired for the win, I think, and 
listen to their promotional opportunities and it's just not bringing in enough income compared with Amazon and so I've decided in this sudden fit of peak and I'll probably regret it and I'll probably change it back again but I've decided to put them back into KDP Select I didn't think I'd ever do that and I certainly didn't think I'd ever do it with the non-fiction but uh, I just want to generate more income from those books and it's working on the thrillers on KDP Select so I just want to try it with the other genres too so I probably to be honest with you I probably leave them in there until Christmassy time when I start doing these reviews and then when I do the reviews I'll go through them and make sure the links are all up to date you know I'll think about my pricing strategy across the board and things like that and to be fair I probably will list certainly the non-fiction wide again but I just want to have another try at my sci-fi and my non-fiction I just want to have another try in KDP Select and see what I can do with them and see if I can generate more income with them because the income I'm getting listed wide, and granted I'm not putting a load of effort into the marketing, but it's just not giving me the results that I want on those other genres. Finally then in this section, I just wanted to mention something that came into my inbox this week. I can't remember how it got there, but anyhow, it's called Crash Course, The Ultimate Book Marketing Formula. And this is by a guy called Nicholas Eric. And it's a great long blog post. There's no uh, registration required. You don't have to sign up for anything or pay anything. It's just a really long blog post outlining how Nicholas Eric would recommend that you market in the year 2021. He's updated it specially. I've got it on my desktop. I started reading it yesterday. It's very long. It's very detailed. And I agree with most of it. And to be honest with you, a lot of it I think you'll find to be quite a relief because he's saying you don't have to be on all the social media channels if you don't want to. So long as you've got an email list and you've got a a website, so long as you've got some web presence, you don't need to be on all the Facebook and the Twitters and all of that sort of thing. So um, it was quite refreshing to read and it is a super laser focused guide to what you need to do to move the needle with your marketing. Part of the bad news about that is that the ideal number of books to write a year is about four books a year, but he's only saying they need to be about 40,000 words. So uh, you know, I would I would reiterate this from my experience the more books I've had the, the more that you get to a core of income, a higher core of income, doesn't suddenly change your fortunes. You know, it's not suddenly a millionaire by the end of the week. But it is very, very true that the more books you've got, the more kind of resilience you have in a core income that comes every month. You still have to do the work. You still have to do the marketing. You still have to do your bit. But your your baseline, I think, will go up the more books that you've got. And this is pretty well what he's saying. You do have to be quite committed to the writing but I did think that's a really good article well worth reading and I'll add it to the show notes for you this podcast is supported by affiliate sales of memberships to the alliance of independent authors the professional business membership organization for self-published authors I found that I usually cover the cost of membership by using the special codes given out for free listings and revisions on Ingram spark Use a couple of those over the course of a year and your membership is easily paid for. However, Ally is much more than that. You can access expert advice, great support and community, a range of podcasts suitable for authors of all levels, and the amazing online conferences which gather industry titans several times a year in order to share their best tips and tricks. 
When you purchase your Ally membership through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds, which goes to support my time and effort in producing this podcast. To check out the best essential professional membership service for all indie authors, head over to paulteague.net forward slash ally. That's A-L-L-I. Those of you who've been missing the podcast are getting a really long bumper episode today. I'm going to move on in this part of the podcast to my quarter three review and my quarter four aims. And I say this podcast did fall particularly conveniently, but I was rushing to get book two written by the end of this quarter. And then I move on to book three in the next quarter because I've got this day free. I just thought, well, I've got so much to say, as you can hear. Let's just do an impromptu podcast episode and bring things up to date. So we'll start with what I've achieved in quarter three. And a lot of this is not writing related now. But I'll tell you the bits that are writing related and just give you a taster of what else has been going on in life. So Morecambe Bay 7 got written in this month. I ordered my covers for the Morecambe Bay series. I've been to see my mum in August because I hadn't seen her obviously since lockdown and I'm going to see her tomorrow. We're going down to visit. I've done a load of park runs because park runs back now. I've done a load of runs at the nature reserve and I've done a load of runs with my running group so that the running continues I've been doing loads of stuff running wise I'll tell you a little bit more about that in the personal section I also in quarter three got Morecambe Bay 8 completely written up to 60,000 or so words now I've done a couple of other things that I didn't tell you about Um, I have mentioned this in previous podcasts it was one of those jobs that's been hanging around that I didn't didn't get done and that was that was that I got some I'd done all my research on BK Link's the website that I love for searching for categories and things. Um, I'd done all my research on that and I'd changed the categories. I'd made sure all my sci-fi, my non-fiction and my thrillers had been listed in the 10 categories that they're allowed to be listed in. But I'd kept back all the second and third in series and the standalones. I hadn't actually submitted those to Amazon yet. And so that was a job I finished off. It'd just been hovering for ages. So I just, all of my books now have had the categories reviewed through BK Link. Um, I've submitted 10 categories to Amazon and Amazon have now updated those. Now, as part of my quality control check, I will probably go back and recheck the categories and reconsider the categories. But for now, this in this year, all of my books have had all the categories reviewed, checked and, and hopefully um, optimized, uh, fingers crossed. I've mentioned this already too. I've changed my paperbacks, uh, the paperbacks that came for the, the big list to go to the British Library, I got that done and I've gone through my eBay books too. I had some corrections that I had to make with my eBooks. Every now and then you get one of these emails from Amazon and, and somebody's reported a load of errors. So I've got, I had to go back and go make some errors that have been missed in the editing process and, and put all of those right. So I got that done in this quarter as well. Um, something, you know, the dull side of business, but I had to file and pay my limited company accounts so uh, I've got the first year of accounts as a limited company. I decided to stay as a limited company this year. It just makes things um, simpler for me. I'm paying my wife a salary through it. We're taking dividends out through through the company. So I'm, I'm certainly going to continue that for this financial year. And like everything, it's always being reviewed. Um, I've done lots of park run tourism. So I've been all over the place 
within a certain radius of my home. Uh, I'm doing part runs with my wife now. She's also part running with me on Saturday. She's caught the bug, which is great. I've done a couple of um, sporting events, a couple of 5K runs, uh, you know, in big groups and big runs. I did a 10K run the other week too. These are all just local Carlisle runs that I've got involved in. And one of the things I have done is I've been meeting up very, very proactively with people that I haven't seen because of the COVID pandemic. I've been meeting um, local uh, sort of business related friends. I've been meeting uh, former BBC friends and I've met a couple of authors as well. So I nipped down to Morecambe to see John Cronshaw. Had a very pleasant afternoon. Thank you, John, in John's garden, back garden, um, drinking tea. And uh, what were we eating? Oh, biscuits. We were eating biscuits and beautiful sunshine in the summer and catching up with, uh, you know, author author chats, what's working, what's not. I also met John's wife who edits as well. So it was good to meet Claire. Uh, so thank you for your hospitality. And I'm sure we'll do that again sometime soon. And then a little bit of uh, just good luck. Um, I got a, an email from Julie Stock, who edits my nonfiction books. So Julie's edited my nonfiction books. And Julie dropped me a line to say, oh, we're holidaying in Scotland and we're staying in a travel lodge or a Premier Inn, I think it was. Yeah, Premier Inn. Um, in Carlisle, do you want to meet up for a chat? Because we're just staying overnight and splitting up the journey. Well, it turned out when Julie told me where the Premier Inn was, that it was literally, it's literally just at the end of the, the place where I live, the estate that I live on. She's just at the end of the road. I could walk it from here. Rather, it was easy, you know, easier than driving it. So um, I met Julie and uh, we had a, I think I had a cup of tea and a drink and, uh, in the pub that's next to the Premier Inn. And so uh, that was lovely to meet Julie in person. I've been talking, like many of you, talking to you online for years. And we've not had the opportunity to meet in person. So even though it was very brief, it was great to meet uh, Julie. So that was nice, uh, Julie. And, and Julie's also part running now, uh, too. So congratulations on that. So it's been really nice. I just was very eager after COVID to just touch base with you know lots of people that I haven't seen for a while because we've all been living in these kind of little pockets of, of you know with our with our family. Um, so that's been nice going out, having teas, coffees, meals with people as well. All outside, I hasten to add. It'll probably all stop now. Winter's here in the UK, but uh, yes, I'm still very cautious. And all of those have taken place, or the majority of those have taken place uh, outside. So that's quarter three. Pretty well, you could sum that up by saying I've just written a couple of books. In quarter four, so this is taking us through to the end of December, virtually it's going to be Morecambe Bay 9. It's Morecambe Bay 9. I've got to write a book and I've got to get it done in about five weeks, I think I've got to write that book before we go to Spain. Uh, I shall continue doing my park runs. I shall continue doing my park run tourism. Uh, interestingly, I'm, when we're in Spain, I've got three runs. I love I love sort of doing the formal runs in Spain. I've got a 10K in Spain in Benidorm. I've got a 5K in Alicante, and I've got a 5K in Villayusa uh, booked. And we've booked apartments in those places too, so we can have an overnight stay while we're there. My wife's joining me for the 5K in Alicante. Um, and I just, because I'm doing a 10K in Benidorm, I just wanted to get a couple of 10Ks in just to make sure I'm not going to let myself down. So I've got a couple of 10Ks. That's the maximum distance I'm going to run. I'm not going into half marathons or anything. So I've got a Hexham 10K booked. I've got a Cleethorpes 10K booked. And uh, I've got a Morecambe 10K booked and a Benidorm 10K booked. So I've got a lot of 10Ks uh, coming up and I've got a 10k with my running club on boxing day as well so just a couple of longer distances for me as well as plenty of 5k runs 
And so in this month, writing-related stuff, write Morecambe Bay 9, publish Morecambe Bay 7, publish Morecambe Bay 8. And then I got a couple of other domestic things to do, which I, I won't share with you, but that's pretty well it. You know, write the Morecambe Bay series and publish the Morecambe Bay series, and that will take me to the end of quarter four. To conclude this episode then, I just want to round up the personal news, and I've touched on most of these things, to be honest with you. This is the problem. I, I write myself a list of notes, and, <laughs> and then I go off at a tangent anyway, and I think I've pretty well told you most of these things. But just to line up what's happening personally and to reflect on what's happened personally the highlights of that have obviously been going to see John Cronshaw and Julie Stock having a chat about writing lovely to to meet writers again a back to park run that's been so important for me lovely being back in park run you know that's good for for just staying healthy we spend so much time at our desks writing that it's great to be back with park run among people again having fun and chatting and, and and running and keeping fit my wife's doing it with me now too we've had a whale of a time um, nipping around to park runs having a cup of tea and a chat afterwards it's been really really lovely so it's so nice to have that back we're off to spain again november december for five weeks this is actually a booking that we made oh was it last year or the year before it was last year this is part of the booking that we made last year that I decided not to use last year just in case we got caught in lockdown so it's just an apartment we had booked and we've got a credit on it we were going to stay late longer than we did last year uh, uh, I'd originally got it booked for I think the first three months something like that but anyhow it's a credit that we've got so um, we're going to use it and spend it and the, the plane flights were plane flights that the kids couldn't use to come out and see us so I've got the easy jet credits for those so we're really just mopping up uh, with this trip to Benny but we'll be out there um, for five weeks and I don't really want to work when I'm out there I, I, I'm going to work very hard to make sure that this uh, ninth book in the series is written in first draft form so I can send it out for editing while I'm in Benidorm and then I can come back to it and finish it when I get back from Benidorm so I'm not aiming on working in Benidorm I just want to have a nice time when I'm out there and do those runs that I mentioned to you I've told you about my 10k runs uh, this is not me, you know, becoming super athlete. I, I've always said I won't run more than 10k. I'm not getting into half marathons and marathons. I mean, of course, you'd never say never, but uh, it's really all about the 5k runs for me. I just want to keep myself generally fit and healthy. Um, I'm running a uh, when I'm at my mum's. I'm going to run a park run at Scunthorpe on Saturday. I hope, unless I have to change my plans for any reason. And I'm going to run a 10k race for life in Cleethorpes on Sunday. And then I got a 10k in Morecambe coming up in a week or two. And then that one in Hexham. So it's all busy, busy, busy with the running. And because the the nights are getting dark now, I, I won't run with the running group when it's dark. I don't like sort of running in the dark and wet. We've actually invent, invested in a, in a Reebok running machine for the house now so I've got a nice running machine so I could run at home uh, throughout the winter and never have to look out when it's snowy icy or you know slippy and not run I am quite a cautious runner I, I don't like running in the dark for instance you know at my kind of age you, you fall a lot heavier not that I'm that old but you know you just fall heavier than you do when you're younger and uh, I don't want to be getting into that lark so my wife and I are doing so much running now I just said, why don't we just get a running machine? And um, and then if the weather interrupts play, we can stay fit and run and we don't have to leave the house if we don't want to. So I've now got a, a running machine. And uh, another thing I'm doing now, uh, something else I've got back into, 
is I invested in a PlayStation 4 the other day uh, because I'm replaying Resident Evil, which is the game that I used to love playing. Um, I stopped playing games when my first child was born and I had a little baby on my lap um, with the head, their head towards the television staring up at me and I was playing Resident Evil uh, with the zombie noises and I remember thinking, do you know what, I'm going to stop this. You know, I want to sort of pay full attention uh, to, to the kids even though they didn't know any different at that age. So the, the PlayStation 1 got switched off sold or given away to somebody and I didn't play games you know for 20 odd years while the kids were growing up but uh, something made me download Resident Evil onto Steam the other day and just give it a run through and I thought well, I do like this game so I've got to bought myself a, a PlayStation 4 and it's quite nice actually while the kids are around uh, we're all sort of sitting around playing the PlayStation 4 games together it's a lovely sort of sociable thing to do uh, with the kids now they're older and um, also one of the kids got me into a game called The Last of Us which I think is going to become uh, a series fairly soon on the telly so I'm just updating my kind of gaming experiences so I've been enjoying that but you know a lot of this to me a lot of this is how what feeds my imagination I said to you earlier in this podcast that I don't prioritize reading fiction as, as much as I should I know but I do get a lot of nourishment from films from series and, and and from games as well they spark my imagination and they do help me with that element of my writing and also finally i have said to you about this uh, m lit masters of literature <laughs> which sounds funny even just saying it so i will be looking at that and um, i've got the link down here actually I, I mentioned to you it when i shouldn't have been talking to you about it earlier on in the podcast but i'll just bring the the web link up here it's um the, the it's an m lit in crime writing and forensic investigation with the School of Humanities at the University of Dundee. And it would start in September 2022. And uh, I'll just sort of pracy what they tell you here. Um, it says you'll be taught by staff in literature and forensic science and you'll have the opportunity to watch forensic experts being trained to give evidence as they participate in mock trials assisted by colleagues in the university's law school. So Scotland is fast establishing itself as a major destination for crime writing with authors, festivals and publishers all contributing to the tartan noir phenomenon. During your time with us, you'll be part of an inspiring imaginative community where forensic science and creativity successfully work together. So that, that's kind of the overall pitch. I'm really sort of quite interested in that. But the, the devil, as always, will be in the detail. And when I start um, digging into that a little bit further about precisely you know, what are we doing, do I have to touch poetry and all that, I'll, I'll make a a final decision on that but the 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 units here are forensic environments forensic science of the law the creative workshop these are the bits i get worried about in case we end up doing stuff that isn't related to crime writing we've got dissecting writing uh, continu continuing writing because we do do a, a dissertation as well and then forensic science and networks of knowledge uh, that one looks less relevant to me so it's really um what will make me decide on this is really how sort of super laser focus it's going to be and useful to me in my writing career so um, there you go that's a, a big surprise for you and for me uh, as far as that's concerned but that's just a big question mark over that for 2022 at the moment so that is it uh, hopefully that's a good fix for you bearing in mind i've been away for three months that's it for this unscheduled episode i just want to emphasize once again i do not anticipate bringing the podcast back at the moment there's no plans to bring the podcast back it's just about a lot of things that i wanted to tell you and everything just kind of aligned so that it made it uh, possible for me to record this for you today 
What I think is likely is that I may well drop another unscheduled episode once all the work is done on this new trilogy. And I would guess that's probably going to be in the new year. So it'll probably be over the Christmas holiday period. It may well be in the first week of the new year when the books are done and all ready to go. And it'll be kind of a quarter four review and a quarter one preview just to bring you up to date with everything that's happened because I as I'm doing all this work it just seems a shame not to sort of share some bits with you but I do want to emphasize I do not anticipate bringing the podcast back at the moment and because of what I'll be up to next year which is not you know frankly very interesting it's just going to be an awful lot of clerical and administrative work you know there's not an awful lot of point in me updating you with that every week so that's the plan at the moment You know that the plans can change, but I just wanted to give you a clear steer on when you may hear from me next. So, hope you've enjoyed that update. You're bang up to date as far as my writing is concerned. Hopefully, I'll be speaking to you in the new year. Until then, happy writing and bye-bye for now. You can check out the show notes and listen to the back catalogue episodes at paulteague.net forward slash podcast. If you've heard something that's helpful to you in your author business and you'd like to support the show, then you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Paul Teague. That's it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you have a great week of writing. From me, Paul Teague, bye-bye for now.